Hey, so good to be with you this morning. Um, Holly and I missed you last week. We were in the Dominican Republic um, in a five-star resort looking at the ocean (laughs) with 184 of our closest friends. Busting our tail all week long at a medical clinic, which was awesome. You're going to hear more about the stats uh, this coming uh, Sunday when uh, the team shares a little bit of that. But um, it was just an amazing time. Um, But I always have to come back and give props to all the team here that made everything happen uh, while I was away. Uh, Little Lights hired some new staff. Pastor Daniel launched a school of supernatural leadership, preached a great word, and uh, one of the buses got fixed, and I didn't have anything to do with it. Hallelujah. It's just, you know, and, uh, you know, over the years, you know, things that things that we've, we've been praying for and putting in place, um, you know, you, you have the seed of an idea, it could happen, and then one day it does, and then you say, wow, this is awesome. And so um, Bonnie Erickson shared this thought with me a number of years ago that, uh, you know, that having been in one church for as long as I have, I've, I've come to know the meaning of it now. Um, she One time we were walking by the uh, the, the double wide, which is where Kids Club Junior is today. And she looked at it. And she says, you know, it doesn't look like much. But she said, we prayed it in. And it was a miracle. And then she pointed to the brick building over there that some of you in this room helped to build. And she said, it doesn't look like much today. But we prayed it in. It was a miracle. And uh, so I, I know that I live among uh, prayers and miracles and seed time and harvest, and I don't take that lightly. And you know, the, the nation that we have today, people have invested themselves, and it may not look like much to some people, but it's a miracle. Amen? So we need to rejoice in it and say, okay, we've got a foundation to build on, so let's build on that. Let's do the work. Let's, do, let's build on that. So Always want to keep these things in perspective, right? Um, because as we walk together, we, we know that everybody's doing their part, making their investment, and, uh, and, and so let's, let's leave the world a better place. Um, so about the DR, uh, you'll hear more about it next week, but we were uh, a part of this large team in the Dominican Republic uh, that... that goes in and does medical clinics, built, built, they built a church in a week. We did a leadership conference with 1,200 leaders. Uh, we saw over 24, 2,500 uh, patients come through the medical clinic. Uh, several hundred went through the dental clinic. Several hundred received glasses. 637 people got born again uh, in that process. Um, you know, dozens of them, Bruce Barton right here on the front, r- front row led to the Lord going door to door and, uh, and sharing Jesus with them. And uh, one, of my, one of my favorite testimonies um, comes out of uh, the very last, there were, Kurt had four or five people come up and, and give testimony. And uh, there's this little gal that got up at the end of our, our time and, and they were just kind of reciting all the stats and everything, just praising God. We're just together in the dining area. She gets up and she says, I have to tell you, she said, two days ago, I was ready to never come back. She said, I was in the medical clinic and these little kids came in and their needs were more than we could help them with, which happens, right? You can't do everything in a little medical clinic that can dispense antibiotics and vitamins and, you know, give anti-parasite meds and that kind of, but, but the kids had more 
than what we could handle. She said, I was just so brokenhearted over it. She said, I watched those kids go off. And, and she said, I said to myself right then, I'm not coming back. And she said, then, she said, I think it was on Thursday. She said, I was sitting in the, in the circle and you got to get the picture. So we got a doctor and we got a nurse and the nurse is writing up all of the scripts. And uh, because you can't read a doctor's writing. So it, <laughs> So, uh, so, so the nurse is writing up the scripts, and there's a translator, and then there's a transporter, and the transporter is a person that takes people through the, the medical clinic to make sure they get everywhere they need to be. Um, and so this gal's a nurse, and she's sitting there, and, and, and so uh, there's an elderly gentleman that they're meeting with, and the elderly gentleman has a cataract on his left eye, and it's completely whited out, can't see out the eye at all. And the doctor looks over at the nurse who's sitting there. She's the one telling the testimony. And he says to her, you, you need to pray for him so that he can move on to the next segment here. And she says, me? I'm not the prayer person. That's not my power, Allie. That's not what I'm the nurse. You go to the prayer tent to get prayed for. He looks over and he says, you need to pray for her. I pray for him. She says, okay. And so bow your heads. Everybody bowed their head. And she prayed that the Lord would heal him. And when he opened his eyes, that cataract was completely gone. Complete vision in that eye. Had not been able. He said, oh, 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 it's gone. And she was blown away. And so much so that she said, I'm coming back next year. Sometimes Jesus heals people for others. And sometimes he heals them for us. That God's always at work in our hearts to build faith in our hearts, right? He's always at work in, in our lives. Um, I want to talk to you today about the continuing battle for the seed. Um, part of this thought is it came because it, as we were in the Dominican Republic, a couple of things happened. Um, one was that Roe v. Wade was overturned, which we thank God for. Amen. Um, it, it, is a, it is a part of a shift that's going to happen in our nation uh, that, that is a long time coming. A lot of people prayed for Roe v. Wade to be overcome for ever since it was instituted. And this isn't political. You'll, you'll see where I'm headed with it in just a minute. But that happened and it hits different because I'm, I'm not sitting around watching the news in the U.S. I was in the Dominican Republic when I heard about it. Oh, that's interesting, you know, coming home to a, something different in the United States. Um, and also, uh, my, uh, I, I turned... Uh, 55 uh, on the 29th. Thank you so much for your cards and your and your uh, appreciation and all of that. It's uh, special, but 55. Doggone it, 55. <laughs> Ain't old yet. Thank you. I'm a double nickel now. Is that the speed limit? Does that mean I'm going over the speed limit? Somebody did said said, said every day after now you're going over the speed limit. So. Uh, Somebody, somebody sent me a link to I Can't Drive 55, something like that, you know, if you've got to be an 80s hairband person to remember that song. And uh, anyway, so, uh, so what happens is that as you get older, you start to think, man, things are really accelerating. 
You know, things go slow for a time and then, then there are a lot of suddenlies that happen in your life, right? Suddenly you get your first gray hair. Suddenly you got hair growing out of your ears that you didn't, you know, like what's that about? And uh, perpetual puberty, you know, there's a, there's an old saying, right? And, uh, and so these suddenlies begin to happen and, and, and now conversation shifts about what's breaking down on your body than, you know, than those things that you achieved with your body somewhere along the line. Yeah, X number of push-ups now that I don't even think about that anymore. No, I'm not saying that for me, but I mean, some people are like, ah, you know, anyway. Um, I want to I talk to you today about the continuing battle for the seed, and I'm going to share some passages of scripture that I think are framework scriptures. How many of you know that the Bible says that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful right? For it's profitable. It's profitable for correction and rebuke and encouragement and for edification and righteousness, all of those things. But some scriptures, I'm going to say this, and this is going to sound weird, but I'm not dissing any scripture in particular, but some scriptures are more important than others. By which I'll, I'll say, I'll hasten to say John 3.16 has won more people to Jesus than any other single verse in the Bible right? Why is that? Because it's the gospel in a nutshell. It's a, it's a framework verse that helps us to understand what God is doing in the world in one, one punchy, pithy, powerful statement right there, John three sixteen. Well, there are a couple of other ones, and I'm going to share those with you, and they come from the book of Genesis. So in your notes today, um, you have um, uh, the written notes there. If you have version, open version, uh, and click on the more down at the bottom, because there's more, uh, click on the more to the bottom right, and click events, and you'll see Lighthouse VA right there, and all the notes that I'm preaching from are right there. Genesis 126 is our, our first verse. Let's read that together out loud. Can you do it? <clears throat> Your best reading voice. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. This is God saying on, on this day in creation, he's saying, I'm making man and and he says a number of things here. First of all, man, uh, God is a plurality, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So you can get that. Let us make man in our image, right? So, so God is a plurality. That's one thing that we learn from that. Second thing is that, that mankind bears the image of God. That no other creature that God has ever made bears the image of God. And the significance of this one statement is going to echo through all eternity. That mankind is created in the image and likeness of God. And that we are to have dominion over the earth. We haven't always done good at that. We haven't always been good caretakers of the earth that God has made. I'm not apologizing or or winking at that at all. Uh, there, There are a lot of things that are fallen in our world and we have let them fall all you know but there's this but we can never shake the fact that mankind is created in the image and likeness of God animals were not mankind is created to have dominion now the reason that this is important for us this is a huge theological point that you you don't want to miss is that because the enemy has been defeated he hates God And he has no victory at all waiting for him. He knows the Bible. He's read the Bible. He knows the lake of fire has been prepared for the devil and his angels. And he can't do anything about it. 
And so what happens is he tries to do everything he can to tear down the, the people who are created in the image and likeness of God because every human being reminds him of his defeat. Every human being reminds him that God in whom we are created in his image, we are, we are a reminder of his demise. And as a result of that, the devil, from the time, even before you were born, you were hated. Before you were born, the devil had a plan to work against you. That, that weapons have been formed against you. Not just humanity, but against you. Against your particular personality. Against you and everything that you're about. The devil wants, uh, he, he's, got a, he's, got, he's got a hit list out on your name is on it. All right? You need to get a hold of that. Why? Because you're created in the image of God. I'm not saying you're, oh, you're somebody special. You are somebody special. But the reality is what makes you special over a dog or a horse or any other kind of animal is that you are created in the image and likeness of God. Are you tracking with me? So this is a framework verse. Second one, second framework verse is, is this is actually called uh, the Proto-Evangelium. And this means the first, uh, the, the first good news. And this happens right after the fall in Genesis 3.15. I'm declaring war between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He'll wound your head, you'll wound his heel. This is the passage where God is talking to the serpent. And he's saying to the serpent, this is what's going to happen. Um, I've, I've, I've included the, the message in there for some clarification of one word. Genesis 3.15 in the NIV says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Notice here that the, the word enmity is substituted, the word war is substituted for enmity. And, and so what you need to realize is that God said right after the fall, I'm declaring this right now, there is now a blood feud. There is a blood feud. It's a war between humanity and the seed of the devil, the serpent. This isn't just women hate snakes. This isn't just that. You know, this isn't that. This, this is God making a declaration for all time. There's this war, there's this separation between the seed of the devil and the seed, big S, of, of woman. And that seed, big S, is Jesus who's going to crush the head of the devil. Are you, are you tracking with me? So, uh, we, need to, we need to get a hold of those frameworks. We need to understand that because that, that speaks into what just happened with Roe v. Wade. The devil hates the seed. And he wants to steal the seed. And he wants every way possible to, to uh, malign the image of God and stop the word of God from connecting with the human heart. Because as soon as the word of God connects with a human heart, he has lost. He has lost. He, everything, God is working through his word to build faith. Now we're going into the New Testament and I'm going to show you another framework passage that's so important for us to get a hold of. It's in Luke chapter 8 
And uh, the parable of the sower is included in all the Gospels, uh, but all the synoptics in particular. And it's important for us to get a hold of because Jesus says, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand anything about the kingdom. Uh, this is one of those framework passages that becomes a lens like your glasses that helps you to see things clearly in the scripture and in the world. And so the parable of the sower is that particular lens. Uh, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a, a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears let to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what this meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy. And when they hear it, that, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Now, this is in your written notes, and I want you to get a hold of this idea because it's going to frame up the rest of what I have to talk about. Whoever controls the seed controls the harvest. You know, this is, this is going to, uh, I'm just going to chase a, a quick rabbit for a minute. Back when God first told farmers how to farm, there was no such thing as hybrids or genetically modified seed or anything like that and so what a farmer would do was he would take from his harvest he could plant one seed and this is a reality you can plant one seed of corn and and you can get how how much corn for seed out of just one seed of corn it might just be one stalk right but it's the old saying you can count the number of uh, seeds in an apple but only God can count the number of apples in a seed right? And so you take, you take that and you just keep planting it and keep planting it. And that, that farmer in a very short amount of time, depending on what he does with his seed, can, can just grow an immense amount of harvest. But the problem is uh, in, in, a, in a world where, you know, where capitalism gets involved in genetically modified seed, you can't, you can't just take that seed and go ahead and plant it. No, you got to go back and you got to buy more seed. And you got to buy more seed, right? And, and so whoever controls the harvest, controls the seed, controls the harvest. Right? And, and so we've inserted an entire, in America, we've inserted an entire industry between the farmer who sows and his harvest that makes him dependent, not on the harvest. Not, not, now he's not just praying for a good, uh, you know, for a good harvest and God will take care of the weather and I'll take care of the soil and all that. No, now he's got to go back every year. You know, just, just 
wanted you to understand. Whoever controls the harvest controls prosperity. You understand? If it's just you and it's just your seed and just God, God can prosper you. And God wants to prosper you. He wants to bless you. God has no problem prospering you. You do things according to his plan, according to his will. God will bless you. And he wants to do that. And, and so if you control the seed, you control the harvest. If you control the harvest, you control prosperity. Thirdly, whoever controls prosperity controls the future. You know, we're, we're saying, you know, based on the return that I get on my, in my investment, I can turn around and I can go and I can give and I can invest in other things. And so here's the, here's the principle. So why is the seed so important? Why is it continuing battle for the seed in our world today? Remember, going back to human beings are created in the image and likeness of God. And, and the, this parable tells us in, in, uh, in Luke chapter 8, this parable tells us that the farmer, the, the seed is like a, you know, it's, uh, Jesus saying the kingdom functions like a farmer who goes to sow a seed, right? So he goes out and the farmer is planting seeds, but as he's doing it, some of the seed falls out. I know I just walked out of the light and they're going to freak out at me in a minute. And, uh, but I'm, really, I'm here, but I want to be over here. And uh, so they'll, they'll catch up with me eventually. And so what, what happens is the seed, which is powerful, falls on the path. And the birds of the air come and, and they scarf it up. And, and the Bible tells us there, Jesus is given the interpretation, the devil seals the seed so that the seed can't do any damage to his kingdom. Right? Um, notice that the seed is the same with all four different types of soil. The path, the rocky soil, the, the thorny soil, and the soil that bears fruit. The seed is the same. It's not different seed. The same word, the same word that Billy Graham got born again on and, and resulted in all of these souls coming to Christ is the same word that you have in your hand right now. It's the same Bible. It's the same word of God. The, the, same, the same word that, that, that got me born again, right, gets, gets everybody born again, gets you born again. And that seed will always produce after its own kind. It will cause, we just need to put our faith in it, and it will produce. Now, what the enemy does is he wants to steal that seed out of our lives so that it can't do any work. And what does he do to do that? Well, the Bible tells us here that sometimes the soil is rocky. Sometimes there's, there's not a whole lot of, of uh, place for, given for that seed to grow in and because there's hardness in there. Can I, can I just tell you this parable is so profound because I found that it works at the micro level and at the macro level. I found not only does this tell me that on a Sunday morning only one, or f one out of four are actually going to get what I'm talking about. Doesn't it say that? It does. You ever, when you're in, in elementary school, did you ever pick teams? One, two, three, four. All the ones over here, all the twos over here, all the threes over here, all the fours over here. Can I tell you, I preached at the same church for a very, very long time, but I preached to a different crowd every week. Some are the same, some are not. Some are bearing fruit, some are not. We all have the same word, but not all of them are bearing fruit. Why? 
because some have rocky soil in their hearts. And as soon as that word hits, the rocks, the hard things, have displaced the soil and the seed can't bear, it can't, it can't, it can't get rooted in. It can't do what the seed wants to do because people have allowed rocky places in their hearts. And then for others, the seed falls among, uh, right, that, that soil that's got thorns in it. What are the thorns? Well, the things that are growing at the same time. I just, I got some pepper plants outside and, and the bugs keep getting into them. Know what I'm talking about? Anybody here grow stuff? I, it, it occurs to me, why do the weeds grow so good in my yard? I got plenty of weeds. I'd be happy to feed these weeds to these bugs that are eating my peppers. But the bugs don't seem to want the weeds. They only want my peppers. What's the deal? I can't wait till that ghost pepper rises up and that bug gets a hold of that thing. <laughs> Woo! My victory. I'm going to put a game camera out there just to watch my pepper plant see what happens. I don't know if it works that way, but it sounds fun to me. The, the weeds grow up at the same time as the word. And Jesus tells us another parable about that, doesn't he? He talks about the weeds grow at the same time as the word. And you can't go plucking out. He's talking about the end of time. You can't go plucking out the weeds because you'll disrupt the, the word at the same time. But that, you know, he's saying the cares of this life. The cares of this life will want to saturate your life to such a degree that the word won't be fruitful. I've got the same 24-7 in my life that Billy Graham did. What did Billy Graham do with his life that I haven't done with mine? I've got to say, no, and God, you know, we don't compare ourselves among ourselves, but you get what I'm talking about. I can get consumed with me and mine and not look after this word that God put on the inside of my heart that is world-changing. That is transformational to people that have never heard it. That is, oh, where have you been all my life? I've needed Jesus my entire life. How, you know, and so the, the same word that's transformational can get choked out by, what's on Netflix today? The same life-changing word can get, can get choked out by the busyness of my day. And who makes that choice? The same word is powerful in one person's life, but I have to choose whether I'm going to let the cares of this life, whether I'm going to let the deceitfulness of riches. Why, is, why are riches deceitful? Because they will promise you that your life will be better if you have more of them, but they cannot deliver on that promise. Your life is no better or no worse because of the bottom line in your wallet. Well, Pastor Ken, you don't really know. I mean, it's really tough. You will get tested whether you are poor or whether you are rich. You will get tested with stuff. You know? And, and so, say you pass the test at the poverty level, but soon you'll prosper, and now you're going to have to figure out how to not let that stuff get down on the inside of your being. How do you make it so that stuff doesn't own you? You can own stuff, but your stuff doesn't own you. Now, that's a different, that's a different test, but it's, a, it's still a test. What are you going to have to do? You have to evaluate the fruitfulness of the crop of the Word of God down on the inside of you. 
But I have to tell you that, I mean, you know, when I first started getting an understanding of the parable of the sower and I started to get, get, get the reality of that, I, I would get depressed. I would say, you know, what are you saying, Jesus? One in four, 25% will actually do something with what I'm talking about. And you know what the Lord impressed on me? You, in order to get a bigger harvest, you, you just need to sow into bigger fields. If you want fruitfulness to happen, don't be stingy about it. You can't be like, uh, you can't just be like, oh, I'm just going to sow this. Here's one seed for you and one seed for you. No. He said, scatter it big. Scatter it big. Why? Because those, everybody needs to know anyway. Everybody. And you never know which one's going to bear fruit and which one won't. So you just scatter the seed widely. How do you do that? Sometimes it's a smile. Sometimes it's a God bless you. Sometimes it's a, hey, can I just take a minute and pray with you right now? You never know how you're sowing seeds, right? Your life is a living epistle. And so people are reading your life. You, you know, they, they don't know God, but you do. So you share what you know about God. You're, you share that. You share your story. You share your testimony. You share the good things that God has done. You share how God has blessed you. Why? Because that's the image of God that is in you that is reflecting God's glory. And people are going to get a hold of that. Amen? Amen. Here is the saving grace of the entire parable of the sower, in my opinion, is that those 25% bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. In other words, not, maybe, maybe not all 100% get it, but the ones that get it are so stinking fruitful, they make up for all the others that did. Amen? You know, I don't know, I don't know how God does this, you know, when it comes to this, the, how things grow. It's, it's pretty uh, amazing to me. I, I love the, the story. I love the story that uh, Kay Helm tells. Um, she talked about for a time that she worked at a, a nursery and she hadn't known anything about plants. And, the, and so the, the owner just told me, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and we'll water all these plants on a daily basis. But when you get to this, to this one area, it has impatience in it. Don't water the impatience. Don't water the impatience. She said, okay. So she said, every day I go about and I diligently water all my plants that I was told to water. And I don't know what I'm doing, but the plants seem to be doing okay. And she said, every once in a while I walk by the, that, uh, that uh, 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 greenhouse that had the impatience and they were looking kind of sad. And, uh, and she said, two days go by, three days go by, four days go by, I haven't watered them. And I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to lose my job because these things are like all turning brown. I'm trying to keep everything alive. And these things are looking really bad. And she said, I, I, I get over there and she said, I just, she said, I'm so troubled about it. I go and talk to him. I said, well, you know, what, what, what's going on? Because you told me not to water these impatience, but they're, they're just looking bad. They look, look, they look like death right now. I can't, you know, you're not going to have a crop from any of that. And he, he says, no, look. And he takes her in there and he, he had, he flips over a pot. And he said this, what looks really brown on the top, the roots are finally starting to get down to the bottom of the you know of that of that pot and uh, he says look he said if you water the impatience too early it'll look fine on the outside but it won't grow any root system at all because it's happy to just get its water from the top but you got to make it develop roots that go down deep he said, because what's going to happen is I can have impatience that look really good at the top and people will come in and buy them 
and then they'll take them home. And as soon as they transplant them, uh, the shock will kill them because they don't have enough root. I was like, ooh, there's a story in there. Can I just tell you that the seed of the word of God on the inside of you wants to grow? And you have to grow roots down into the word that never, ever changes. And I, as much as I feel a responsibility as your pastor to make sure that we have digital this and digital that and all kinds of word and make it all available, can I just tell you sometimes that makes us very lazy Christians. We're happy with surface dwelling. Because, hey, I did my Bible study. Or I read my devotional. I went through the motions. Can I tell you? And this is, this is not bad on me and good on you. Or, but, but when I got born again at 17, wasn't nobody in church looked like me. Everybody was older than me. Youngest in the church was about 45. But I knew God had done something on the inside of this 17-year-old's heart. And I wanted more. And all that I had back then was a King James Bible. But I read my King James Bible every day. Didn't have all them fancy translations. It was just me and the Holy Ghost and the King James Bible. But I got some roots. And every time somebody said, let me show you something about the Bible. I didn't know the Old Testament from the New Testament. I didn't know any of that. I didn't know there were Gospels. I didn't know that there were this entire bookshelf of the Bible. Is all, all those books around. I didn't know any of that. I didn't know any of that. But you know, I didn't need a lot of other things. I, I just knew how to tune in to the Lord and listen to God and dig into the Word. And some of you need that Word today. You know what? You don't need a, something new. You need to go back to the old things that work, right? Go back. I, I read that somewhere. Go back and do your first things. Go back and do your first things. The first things that you, you know, it's, it's, it's the basics. It's the foundations. It's get, get yourself rooted and grounded in the things of God. Why? Because it's your roots that are going to keep you in the storm. It's your roots that are going to keep you stable when all kinds of stuff are going on. And you know what? The enemy wants to, he wants to discourage you right now. He wants to tell you, oh, look at this. Oh, look at that. He wants to get you focused on all this other stuff. And can I tell you, God's word never changes. We are still overcomers through the blood of the lamb and the words of our testimony. God said, you are an overcomer. And that's why the devil hates you so much. He's going to try to shut you up. Every time I hear, you know, I hear believers all the time. And then they get started going on a pathway of ministry. And, oh, the devil was really against us. Well, I don't know. I had flat tires before I went into ministry. I, I, you know, I'd, I'd have, a, I'd get the, the sniffles before I went into ministry. I got, you know, I mean, they, you can do that, right? You can, you can look at all of these things that are going wrong. And I'm like, yeah, but people sitting next to me in church that are, you know, watching Netflix get the same thing. I don't know that it's any, I don't know that the devil hates you any worse that you're, than you're in ministry or anything like that. I don't, I don't, I don't know that I buy into that. We live in a fallen world. And the devil hates believers. And the battle is always for the seed. So you and I need to get a hold of this today. That we need to contend for the seed. 
We need to contend for the seed of faith that's on the inside of you. What is it the devil's trying to talk you out of that you know that you know that you know you got last week or last month or last year? When you got delivered, did you stay delivered? Or did you believe a lie that you, oh, you didn't really get delivered? That really, you were just, that was just emotional. It didn't really happen. Because the devil will try to talk you out of your deliverance. He'll try to talk you out of your healing. He'll try to talk you out of your joy. Oh, everybody hates me. No, they don't really think that much about you. I mean, true story, right? I mean, let's just be honest, you know? Everybody, oh, nobody's talking to me. Well, did you talk to them? Because they ain't going to go talking to you if you didn't talk to them. I can go to the DR and spend a week and nobody call me for a week. And I could be really depressed about that. Or I could say, thank God. They got it all covered back there. They don't need me for nothing. Hallelujah. They found out to get their problem solved some other kind of way than ask Pastor Ken. Can we just talk? Can we just talk? You know, the devil will instigate a really good pity party, won't he? But you tell him you're going to have to have that all by yourself. I'm not, I'm not participating in your part pity party, devil. You already lo- loser. Loser. Devil, you're a loser. That's the only thing I got to say to you. You loser. Right? Don't let the enemy steal the joy that's in your heart. You have a choice to make. Choose life. Wake up every day. I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to choose life. I'm gonna, that's, that's what being in the image and likeness of God is. God looked at a day and said, it's good. He looked at a day and said, it, he pronounced it. He pronounced it good. You get up every day and you can pronounce it good. It doesn't mean you're gonna have, not going to have stuff that doesn't work. That's the world you live in. But that doesn't mean it's a bad day. It just is a day that's got some things broken down in it. But guess what? If I'll keep trusting in the Lord, he can turn it around. Those are the opportunities for God to move in those circumstances. The devil wants to steal the seed. He wants to steal the seed of our faith. And he wants to steal the seed of every image bearer. Why does the devil hate people so badly? Because it reminds him of what he lost. Reminds him of what he'll never have. Do we need to contend for the unborn? Absolutely we do. But we understand the bigger picture. The bigger picture, right? People want in America, we, we love to talk about human rights, but what about God's right to his image? We will be all about trademarking. We'll be all about some copy. Oh, you take my, you take my logo and I'm going to sue you in court. Copyright infringement. God's logo is on every human being that's ever been created. And yet we can say, that we know better than the creator whether we are male or female or whether or not we should live or die. Our culture wants to establish, a, 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 you know, our culture is impressed with this world of death. You know, why, why, why do men love darkness rather than light? Right? But we've got to be people that say, you know what? God's got something greater. God's got something better. And and he has a plan and a design and a desire for each and every one of us. And I hope you are impressed 
with what God is doing in your life today. I hope that you're impressed with the fact that his image is on your life and you get to discover through his promises, through his promises, what his plan and his desires are for your life. It's how we escape the corruption in this world. The scripture says we have been given many great and precious promises so that by them, by them we can become partakers in the divine nature. God is, is offering himself to you and he's saying, I've begun a good work in you, honey, and I'm not going to give up. And the Holy Spirit takes that word and he applies it to your life. And through uh, righteousness, peace, and joy, he continues to unlock his kingdom to you. It's available for you today. The promises of God that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus are available to you today. They are not limited. God's not throttling it back like, like, some, like some, you know, tech company will do if you've used too much data. God's saying, more, take more, receive more, respond more. Let me, let me have more of you so that I can do more in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand this morning. At the conclusion of, of our remarks this morning, I really felt impressed uh, yesterday uh, to take up an offering for CareNet um, just because Roe v. Wade has been reversed at the federal level. All the states are going to make decisions. But, uh, but the attack of the enemy against the unborn right now is, is such that uh, we're, we're going to see another level of breakout against uh, organizations like CareNet uh, that that offer hope, that offer rental assistance and adoption opportunities and counsel and all of those kind of things. Don't believe the lie that that we don't we don't we only love the baby and we don't love the mother. It, don't believe that lie. You know, uh, all of those things are thought about, taken care of, and we need to be people that are standing in the gap with them and standing with them financially. So we're gonna, uh, after we pray, we're gonna take up an offering. I'm, I'm gonna invite the ushers to come down, and we're gonna pray for CareNet and other groups like it for women who are now wondering, you know, what do I do in in this kind of a situation? But let's bow our heads right now. Let me pray over you, Father, in the name of Jesus, right now. I pray, Lord, that we would be passionate about contending for the seed of the word down on the inside of us that we would guard it from compromise that we would guard that word lord from being encroached by the the lust for other things by the deceitfulness of riches that we would guard that word down on the inside of us god that we would recognize lord god that you are building something in us now we are the children of god and what we will be has not yet been made known but we know that when we see him, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. God, I pray for each and every person within the sound of my voice. Lord, I've, I have determined in my heart a long time ago, I'm going all the way in. And I want to take as many with me as I can take with me. So Father, I just pray for faith to rise up in this room even now. Faith to rise up and respond to the word. Faith to rise up and respond to the seed of that word. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe that God raised him from the dead. I believe that I'm saved. I believe that I'm forgiven. I believe that I'm delivered. Lord, let faith rise in this room. Let the seed of the word come alive in our hearts today. And may we contend for it 
on a daily basis. That we wouldn't get distracted by the demonstrations of our world. We wouldn't get distracted by the corruption of this world. We wouldn't get distracted by what the enemy wants to do to steal the word out of our hearts. But we would stay steadfast and we would allow our roots to go down deep. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over over the treasure that's in each person's heart here that's ever named the name of Jesus. If that's you, just lift up your hand right here. You say, I've trusted Jesus, and I'm still trusting Jesus, and I will continue to trust Jesus. If that's you, just raise your hand up all over. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you, God. I thank you that we're going all the way in. I thank you that there's a a seat with my name on it at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that we just celebrated a a little stopover at the communion table today because we're going all the way in. Lord, I want to go all the way. I want to go all the way. Come on, say that with me. I want to go all the way. I want to go all the way. Father, I want to go all the way. Hallelujah. And I want to take as many with me as I can. Father, in the name of Jesus, use us for your glory. If you've never said yes to Jesus, he has made it so simple. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. I know you have questions about God and questions about the Bible, but you won't get all those questions answered. Not this side of heaven, but the most important question is Jesus Lord is he is he who he says he is Holy Spirit's making that clear to you right now he's making that clear to you right now if you've never said yes to Jesus just just come up to me afterwards you want to say yes to, to the Lord you know he's right here he's available he is ready to receive you it doesn't matter what you've done it doesn't matter how far you've gone You just come to him saying, Father, I'm coming back. I'm coming back.